0: Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises
1: one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. And I'm Britton. And this Uh, week we watched a very long movie. That's 2049,
0: more more like two hours and 49 minutes. Actually, yeah,
2: (laughs) just about, sure. (laughs) Well, this is, I was thinking about this today. I I really, I, I, I worry sometimes that I'm becoming a modern person in terms of my attention span where I can't focus on something for longer than three or five minutes, and I don't like that. And I was like, well, you know, some things are just too long. Um, this is not one of those things. It could be no. shorter. I will say, it could be shorter. But I, I view the length as more of an issue of practicality in terms of fitting it into my day than I do yeah. in terms of enjoying the movie.
0: I yeah. I really expected to... I, I ended up watching this like last minute, and I was tired, and it, it was late, and I was like, yeah. I, I did have to break it up just because my, I could not physically yeah. power through uh, how tired I was for the last like 45 minutes of it. um, So I had to break that part up. But uh, I do, I feel like this captured me a lot more than I expected it to. And I had seen it before in theaters and I remembered, you know, enjoying the experience, but not necessarily like being totally roped in by it. And this time around, I was surprised by how much it, it really does suck you in despite not really being like a fast paced thing at all. Like in no. terms of, like there's not like a lot of constant action or things to drive you to keep you invested. It's, it's all very thoughtful and methodical.
2: Yeah, no, I, I it, it's, it's a much more compelling movie than you would expect it to be considering how, but I, I mean, I feel like Dune is kind of like that too, though. A little bit, yeah. Villeneuve's Villeneuve's good at that thing, making yeah. movies interesting,
0: mm-hmm.
1: making them good. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so on that note, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, directed by Denis Villeneuve from twenty seventeen, has an eighty eight percent critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and an eighty one percent audience score. I understand that the original has higher scores. In, in in both categories and everyone's
2: wrong you're all wrong this movie is so yeah. much better than the first one <laughs> i do like it. and what i what i think is impressive about it is that it is not that much more complicated but it does feel mm-hmm. a lot richer um yeah. and i think that at one point i was watching and i thought do i think it, it, it is this more emotionally resonant than the previous movie, or is Villeneuve just better at convincing me it's more emotionally resonant? And then I realized, mm-hmm. Britain—that's what storytelling is. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> just someone convincing yeah. you that the thing you're seeing is interesting. So, yeah. Uh, but yes, I do find this movie to be more uh, uh, sort of emotion, yeah, emotionally resonant. Would you um, like to give us the synopsis? Oh, I'd love to, Alex. Thanks. Um, uh, the synopsis for Blade Runner twenty forty nine reads thus: Officer K, a new Blade Runner for the Los Angeles Police Department. Unearths a long-buried secret that has the potential to plunge what's left of society into chaos. His discovery leads him on a quest to find Rick Deckard, a former Blade Runner who's been missing for 30 years. Um, I really wish they hadn't spoiled Deckard and the Harrison yeah.
1: Ford of it all, because he's all over the marketing. Sure, I think it I think it would have been cool to, to leave the audience wanting him. Like, is he is he going to show up? And then you wait like an hour and 45 minutes and then he finally shows up and you're (laughs) like, oh, okay. I wasn't expecting. I I waited long enough that it kind of left my brain Mm -hmm. and then he shows up.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, uh, he has now reprised two of his big roles pretty close together and he's about to reprise his other one. Um, See how that goes. Um, But when he showed up in this, I was like, oh yeah, it's kind of like Han Solo. (laughs) (laughs) I do Mm -hmm. think he's better in this than he is in the previous movie. Um, I I think he's
1: got a better feel for the material this time. I think he kind of understands what blade runner is now and kind of what it. Like it's, it, it, it's place in cinema history. I think he kind of understands.
2: And I think he probably just got clearer. This is what you're doing in this scene. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is the deal. Um, and now you're just going to punch Ryan Gosling a lot. <laughs> yeah. And then you get a really beautiful final shot of the movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, I'll just start with I I really really like this movie a lot. I don't think it's perfect. I've got some story issues. Um but I think it's brilliantly executed and kind of resolves almost all of the issues I had from the previous film. Namely, I care about my protagonist and he's
2: one of the most interesting parts of the film (laughs) yeah well I remember last week I I made a joke about giving a talented how this movie gave a talented actor not much to work with and I do feel differently now having rewatched it Um, I think I remember when I saw it in theaters the night before I think I'd watched the nice guys and so I was kind of on Mm -hmm. a high from like man I love Ryan Gosling in a comedy he should just be in comedies he's so great in comedies and then I saw him in this and I was like oh they're just making him be kind of dull quiet Ryan Gosling but while you're watching it this time, I was like, no, he's really good at this. <laughs> like, He's very compelling. They're very up front at the beginning of like, he's a replicant. Okay, moving on. So you already, you get it. I, I think he's just, v- it's a much more like soulful performance. And I, re- I think Ryan Gosling is an underestimated actor, um, even as famous as he is. I think people don't appreciate his actual skill as an actor as- enough. Um, and I think he's pretty good in this. Yeah. It's interesting
0: how this is, playing a lot of the same notes but also feels totally different than Drive sure like sure it's not he's not really quite doing the same thing even though he could be mm-hmm. um yeah I, I think it is really good I think and that <clears throat> is to me what immediately hooked me is like the last movie is alright there's a human he's hunting down robots the robots are all just trying to live their lives and he's a human who's here to interfere with them this is a robot just trying to live his life Yeah, and sort of uh, incidentally, he does have a job hunting other robots. Uh, I'm saying robots very flippantly, I guess, but uh, (laughs) like just be because that is the framing is like, all right, these people that are seemingly not real people versus people who are real people. (laughs) I guess like that's sort of the the entire premise of the movie and the fact that we immediately start there. And now there's no question about that, but then there becomes a question of, is he maybe, you know, a more special replicant? Is he potentially the first, uh, true, true born replicant, I guess. Um, as opposed to created. And yeah, the uh, Britain, I think your point about like, is the movie just making me feel like it's more interesting? It's like, yes. (laughs) And that's, that's what's making it work is, it's raising a lot of questions and having these characters just grapple with it and really letting the characters sit there and like just struggle with these questions. Uh, and specifically Gosling, like just letting him work through everything he, he learns in this movie. Uh, and it's really compelling just to see
2: someone struggle with that. And yeah, well, I think it helps to, th- I'm sorry, go ahead. No, trailing off <laughs> but i i think it helps too that the the first movie it had this theme of what is what does it mean to be human and what is consciousness right. but it was very hazy and loose with how it addressed it was like huh what do you what do we think kind of like the eleanor rigby i think the beatles song was like where do all those lonely people come from anyway this church is nasty like <laughs> they it it just is kind of this like oh i don't know it's very dr- woozy which is a very 70s way to do sci-fi, uh, uh, theory, Yeah. But this movie, the theme is, is a much more clear cut, like lon- it's loneliness. or these That was the big one that I picked up on is loneliness and isolation that Deckard has been isolated for years and it's about reconnecting and that uh, K is lonely, knows he's lonely, is taking solace in technology, uh, which is both him sort of confronting his own like i am technology in a way mm-hmm. so in a way it's easier for me to connect with joy this uh, hologram love sort of whatever she whatever purpose you need the program to serve you but also she it, it is a less complicated relationship than i would find with a human and maybe i could it's it it tackles loneliness it's kind of similar i guess to her the spike jones movie but it's a much easier uh thing to hold on to as a viewer to be like ah loneliness that's what we're talking about not what is conscious (laughs) you know um and i think that really helps inform his performance and a lot of his scenes and a lot of the movie that like that's kind of what we're getting at here is loneliness and isolation and you can get meta well what is that i don't think the movie is trying to be like social media but it is i think kind of getting it like as technology becomes more advanced how are we using that to to replace uh Human interactions in both a sort of cautionary way, but also a like, hey, this is why people do that, <laughs> like because it's hard to connect with humans because that is a challenging and risky experience. Yeah.
1: So. Well, what really works about this movie is that all those ideas are are great and compelling, but they actually feed into the narrative and right. feed into the characters and particularly Kay's arc. And it's not just the director throwing in something willy nilly of like, I think that would be cool if this happened put a unicorn in there man. Mhm. Mm-hmm. This movie is better, guys. <laughs> this and the
0: the world to me in this movie feels really really lived in. Yeah. In a mm-hmm. way that I mean I think we we praised the last movie like the the world building there and sort of the especially the kind of set design, the way the characters are portrayed, like it's a really fascinating world. This is like Okay, how would that actually work day to day? Like, what what would regular people do to get by in something like this that is just the seemingly chaotic uh, sort of just mess of dystopian sci-fi ideas? Uh, and the answer is, like, everyone's really lonely. and yeah. <laughs> It's like sort of uh, isolating and struggling to get by, and I, I think that was really effective to me right away, showing just, like, how does... Uh, Kay go about his day-to-day Life yeah
2: one that Like you get that sense from so many of the characters That Dave Bautista sapper lives Alone on Mm -hmm. this on this farm Joy even has things about like I Want to actually go places with you because I'm home all The time and uh, Even like you get the sense that Like Jared Leto just is by himself all The time um, sitting with his Weird floaty things Um, And a skull and a skull (laughs) And Uh, Much like Michael Myers Trying to give people A teeth gift Uh, That was supposed to be
1: Rachel's skull right
2: I think so yeah And like Yeah uh, uh,
1: I know they then Bring in a fake Rachel Who promptly gets shot In the head But the Bringing out her skull To present that to Deckard Was just I don't know That was super messed up
2: Yeah Yeah a little I will say This might be my favorite Jared Leto performance (laughs) Mostly in the sense of I was like Yeah all right, Sure (laughs) And he's only in two scenes Correct
1: is, is his character supposed to be blind? Because I know he's got, like, implants, yeah. but I don't know if, like... <clears throat> it, uh, basically, I want to know if behind the scenes he was an extra
2: diva because sure. he was playing a blind character, potentially. I, I haven't heard any stories, <laughs> and I got all the insight, in oh. fact. <laughs> yeah. No, he... Uh, I, I, assu- I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, he I, I, I think enough. you're...
1: Uh, sense of his surroundings to find a skull yeah so <laughs> i i will say i think jared leto i i've kind of realized that i think i prefer him when he's like the least distracting version of himself mm-hmm. and i think this is probably the best case of that because like you look at joker and suicide squad and you look at i i haven't seen house of gucci but i just look at him in the trailer and i'm like you're you're trying to be you think you're the star okay i i get it um and even Morbius, like I know mm-hmm. that's technically a a subtler isn't isn't the right word, but it's a, a, little a leaden, sure. But <laughs> but like I still feel like he's very much just like no, I'm the star of this movie. Look at me. Keep the camera on me. <laughs> what, Watch but, me jump like, up
2: onto the ceiling and growl.
1: Yeah, but because of of just the nature of his role in the movie, I think he's he's like the casting works just just yeah. fine. Like if he were Kay... Yeah. That this be- movie would not work nearly as well.
2: Yeah. Uh, Ryan Gosling is great. All the time. Yeah.
1: And it took me a while to really get a read on what his character arc was. It took me a few watches because Tyler, I, I kind of had a similar viewing experience the first time I saw this where I was like, yeah, it was really pretty. And I liked a lot of it. I don't know how I feel about like the whole, Subversion with the chosen one trope And kind of where that leads And I guess he dies at the end Like a lot of that stuff I wasn't really Connecting with Um, But I think the key scene That I was missing was when After Joy has been killed His version of Joy um, He then sees the Giant hologram naked Blue haired Joy reach out to him And it's just like The most depressing thing I've ever seen in my life (laughs) cuz he yeah. cuz it's basically just like the realization that oh yeah this was a product yeah made specifically to to just keep me happy and that's all it was it wasn't real and i now have to go and help somebody else because there's something real out there for them i have to i have to give my life for this this other cause i i really like that line that gets brought up what is it like um Dying for something noble is the most human thing we can do. Or oh, something yeah. like that. And like after a few watches, all of that stuff really started to connect with me. And I was like, okay.
2: Okay, I'm vibing with the movie now. Sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree. And it's such a, a heartbreaking moment when Joy is destroyed, because it's the, the movie's edited really well, but it's it, she's like leaping for him and she says, mm-hmm. she starts to say, I love you, and it cuts her off before she finishes. But then we all, it also cuts to Ryan Gosling's face and we just hold on him yeah. reacting to that. It's really effective. And we're going to... Go ahead. I,
1: I will just say, regarding Ryan Gosling's performance, he has mastered, like, just stone-faced but in severe pain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, he has just mastered that look where it's like, I really feel for
2: this guy. Totally. Like, I
1: just feel really bad for him.
2: Yeah, ab- Absolutely. And we're gonna allude to this a lot, so I'm I'm just gonna uh, just come out and say it. This is a absolutely stunning looking movie. Yeah, Uh, it's the movie that finally won Roger Deakins uh, an Oscar for cinematography. Um, He's one of the greats of all time, and it is just like every frame is beautiful. Yeah, the the the, just the shots of Ryan Gosling lying down on the stairs in the snow at the end are beautiful. Like they are stunning looking. The movie's lit really well. There's a lot of There's a a lot of, like, long takes of Harrison Ford sitting in the dark room where there's only, like, one side of his face is lit, and the light is kind of changing and pulsing, but it always, like, I don't know, it never, like, holds you out of the scene. It never never gets frustrating, you know? It's just, like, the way everything's framed, and it's so lush, and, like, he tilts things, and obviously it's designed really well and built really beautifully, too, but, like, it is just lit and colored and angled so gorgeously.
1: I feel like this movie is a good argument against just like the general gray color palette that we see in a lot of particularly franchise films. And I know I've talked about Marvel movies having that problem as well. I think this movie is the perfect example of, no, you can do that and still make it look really, really good. Yeah, Like most of the environments in this movie are just like gray. Yeah. But it looks gorgeous. (laughs) Well,
2: and it's so vibrant. Like there's this, there's a beautiful, I I I rewound it to watch it twice where he gets out of the car to take down love. After he's like done the, the firefight, the dogfight for a minute. Mm-hmm. And it's just like him kind of in shadow. And the only real color is the light from inside of their car and their taillight. But it pops like it really, yeah. you really notice it. And it's just this like cool thing. Ryan Gosling's coat in this movie is so good. And I wish I had that <laughs> coat. It's a great, great thing. Um, but it's just him standing there with his gun. It's, it's so just, I don't know. Literally every scene in this movie is like just jaw dropping.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's just the Blade Runners get the really cool coats. Because, like, I guess. I guess it's since Deckard's retired now, he just wears a shirt. <laughs> I was like, that I feel like Harrison, Harrison Ford should get them. a cool coat in this, too. But Come again, on. it's like, that feels real to me. Harrison yeah.
2: Ford would just be like, I, I don't care.
1: I'm just getting drunk in Las <laughs> Vegas. Leave me <laughs> the, alone, It's kind of the version
2: of Jeff Goblin bringing his own clothes to Jurassic World Dominion. I think Harrison Ford was like, I got a shirt. <laughs> i'll wear that
1: but i i do think this is actually that that's a good point Tyler. i think this is the perfect example of yes if you make one of these sequels where you're bringing back an established character that people yeah. really like you don't have to put them in the outfit you yeah. don't have to do that because you know what in real life they probably wouldn't even have those clothes anymore so sure. shut up we're I, uh, not giving jeff Copeland the leather jacket
2: <laughs> edward james almost still had his good facial hair yeah and i love that's edward true. james almost He's great. I, I like that they were able to get him in for a scene. Oh, man. Battlestar Galactica? Come on. Yeah. He's the best. It would have been um, cool if they got William Sanderson to show up and just be like, I'm still sad about stuff, and then he <laughs> just leaves. Oh, man.
1: Um, I think this might be the best of the many years later sequels. Because um, I'm having a hard time thinking of anything that comes even close to competing. Um, Yeah.
2: we haven't haven't done tron legacy yet (laughs)
1: compared
0: to like what what what's floating in your brain when you say that um
1: i mean to be honest like kingdom of the crystal skull and force awakens um (laughs) so i I guess no in terms of of one that does work actually a couple that work i would say rocky balboa and creed both Mm -hmm. work in that regard um but yeah, I just think of you know a lot of the the franchise nonsense that we've done, uh, Scream,
0: <laughs> and it it is rare too that you get something. I feel like that is just straight up like this is building on the last thing. I mean, I guess it has to do with how Blade Runner as a movie exists in culture that it is sort of a like sci-fi, so it can be kind of like a. Oh, this is a more of a nerdy thing. We can do a sequel, and people will like yeah. this—the sequel of it, uh, and following up on the the classic things you know from the original movie. Um, whereas, like, you know, I'm thinking of the thing. I guess that's kind of a prequel. The remake is sort of,
2: yeah, uh, but but
0: but you know, it is kind of like. I don't think that there's a lot of movies where it's like. There is a singular movie 30 or 40 years ago, and we are making a direct sequel right, to that. Right, right. And we are moving the time up. Sure. Uh, sure. you know, I guess Halloween 2018 would kind of fall into this camp, uh, even though <laughs> that's only because they wiped away all the sequels that happened in between. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think it's hard to do something this effectively uh, that sort of addresses and. and makes more whole and makes more nuanced the original story, uh, and, and really builds on that in a way that is like, this was a very, you know, sort of not, not necessary, but like very rewarding, uh, second venture into this. Yeah. Uh, it, it is weird that it got made. <laughs> yeah. I don't,
1: I don't totally know how we well, did. That's the this. confusing thing. Cause this movie didn't do all that well. Um, yeah because the original was a very niche cult classic. So I don't know why they pumped so much money into this movie, but I mean, glad they did. It paid, it paid off for us. Uh, yeah. But I, I think this had a very nice balance of pulling in all the right elements from the last film. And by that, I mean, they brought Hampton Fancher back to help write the script. So very clearly, like he's, he's probably been stewing on ideas for more Blade mm-hmm. Runner for decades. So he's got tons of, tons of thoughts there. And then you've got Denis Villeneuve, who's kind of, yeah, you know, a, a rising, uh, you know, very very respected, uh, talent, um, who knows his way around, uh, making a film, um, and basically they just pushed Ridley Scott to the side. <laughs> I think <laughs> he produced him... it, right? I, I think yeah. he produced it, yeah. But yeah. I, I just, I, I just find it very very amusing that the same year that this came out was the year that uh alien covenant came out (laughs) yeah i just i i I don't know if that necessarily means anything (laughs) i just think it's interesting
2: i will say i just looked up so i I didn't know exactly how it did at the oscars and it it got nominated for five and it won for cinematography and visual effects the other nominees for visual effects is a pretty good year this is absolutely what should have won and i will talk about why but the other nominees were guardians galaxy volume two Kong Skull mm-hmm. Island, Last Jedi, and War for the Planet of the Apes. Pretty pretty good crop of, of, of pictures there. That is quite good. That's a, a good list of movies. Um, this yeah, this probably deserved it. This was absolutely, but yeah. That is quite good.
0: Yeah. And Last Jedi was actually another one I was thinking of in terms of, because again, that's the, like, characters coming back in a way that you don't necessarily expect. Yeah. Um, I, I and re- I think yeah. that same ethos is here of, like, how do we re- revisit this world in a way that makes it feel like this world has been going on for another 30 years and we're just carrying on like,
2: yeah. And I will say talking to bringing characters back and the visual effects. I, I think this is the better way of doing the digital recreation of a older character with Sean Young. They, mm-hmm. because the idea is that Sean Young is not back or the Rachel is not back, but is a clone of Rachel as she was. In the previous movie And I was reading about it It's like a A AI and stills and stock footage And all that stuff used to create this thing But I think the voice is a sound-alike actress That Sean Young actually worked with To like, oh this is what my performance was And this is kind of how I did it So like, knowing that she was still involved And that they had an actual human do it And not an AI Creepy program thing Makes me feel better about it Yeah, sure that moment is the closest in this movie that I got to feeling like the visual effects were hinky and it's not even bad. It was just a matter. And I think it was only because I'm so aware that that's a digital character and a specific a digital recreation of a real person that I just saw last week. Um, but otherwise this may be one of my favorite visual effect movies, like just in terms of how the effects are integrated in the movie, how tangible they look, how they're blended with the physical effect. Like I think the effects in this movie are stunning. Yeah. um yeah i i think what even
1: sells that better is that right afterwards harrison ford deckard points out a defect yeah and he's like oh her eyes are the wrong color and it's like oh all right so they're kind of a wink wink nudge nudge we recognize yeah. that this looks this looks weird
2: yeah this not um, supposed to be perfect in a way and it's also like we don't then have her like doing scenes with the character yeah. that it has this whole like yeah, this is supposed to be the the point in the movie is that this is a, a crass clone yeah. meant to trigger Deckard's nostalgia. <laughs> like, yeah. we're kind of aware of what that is. We're not we're not giving into it. We're kind of calling it out and doing it. Yeah, I, I message. You know, go ahead. I, I just, I'll, I'll just leave it with this. I I do appreciate that
1: they actually had the confidence. I think. Closely before that, right? They actually show a flashback to the first time he sees Rachel yeah. walk in. I'm like, okay, so you guys, you had enough confidence to actually be like, okay, these are going to be within close proximity of each other and it's yeah. going to work. Yeah. So,
2: Well, it's just this movie is full. Everything with Ana de Armas and the visual effects there is amazing. When she goes out into the rain and the hologram is like kind of becoming tangible and kind of not. She's flickering and the water's hitting her but also going through her. The way that like Ryan Gosling is like touching her face, but you can tell that he's he's yeah. not. He's just shaped around her, but he also is. Like, that's amazing. There's always a little bit of translucence with her, um, and and I messaged you guys uh, jokingly because I like to uh, I like to wax comedic. Um, that my favorite scene in this movie is the threesome, and I make no apologies, uh, which is true, <laughs> but. Um, the reason I bring that up is because – and the, we can go back to the loneliness thing here. I think it's one of the most amazing visual effects scenes that I've ever seen in terms of digital mm-hmm. effects where Mackenzie Davis uh, comes in and Ana de Armas and is a hologram. And she's going to, like, try to sync up with Mackenzie Davis so that she and Ryan – Ana de Armas and Ryan Gosling can consummate their relationship through the proxy of this physical uh, uh, replicant in Mackenzie Davis. And it's these two women who do not look alike at all – but they layer their, but they're like layering their faces over each other, and they're like, the face will morph. It'll like, go from Jarmas to Mackenzie Davis and back, and halfway, and you're like getting a little, you're know, like, oh, that's her eyes and her cheekbones or whatever. That's really incredible. And then there's this gorgeous shot of both of their hands kind of weaving around the back of his head and playing with his hair. Like, that whole scene just from a visual effects standpoint is so brilliant, of how how they're just blending everything. But also, it's so tender and sad and mm-hmm. lonesome and cathartic and romantic and bittersweet and tragic and like it, it is well-established canon that i love Mackenzie davis <laughs> that i think she's one of my favorite actors i just adore her and she's so talented and great in this and i love her um and like anna daramas is no slouch either she's great mm-hmm. but uh yeah that scene is just like I, we were talking about this before the episode it's not even like titillating like there was the scene is not it's not that it isn't sexy, it's that it's not trying to be sexual in a way. It's like we don't actually witness any of the the act, so to speak. It's just it's it's all the build up and to it and I think it's so good.
0: It's like it's almost off-putting at times yeah. because of the strangeness of their faces morphing together and like Ryan Gosling perform- Gosling's performance is yeah. evoking that of like I want to want this, but this is also really strange. Yeah. Um, and then when it cuts away specifically, it cuts away to an advertisement for joy, yeah. the product, uh, on like a street somewhere saying like, I can give you what you want or something like that. And then they jump, they got to the next day. Um, it's, it's brilliant. It really is. Like, it. it's so like, I, I think that's what really, you know, makes this, uh, one of the things that really makes this movie work is like it's about, and really deals with sex as like a human want and how that is something that it should be addressing with replicants. If they are yeah. people that want to be human, like how do they grapple with that? Yeah. Uh, and how do they grapple with having children or not being able to have children and, yeah. and all that entails? Like uh, I, I think that's a really brilliant kind of layer to it. That's not really in the first one. I mean, in the first one, obviously Harrison Ford and Rachel <laughs> Harrison Ford, and Deckard and Rachel have a, have a romance. Um, but it's not really the, it's just like a, as eh, a movie, you're going to have a romance right. and she's a robot. This is weird. Um, <laughs> like it's, it's not nearly the same level of
1: That was Ridley uh, Scott's direction on set. <laughs>
0: yeah, pretty much. <laughs> she's a um, robot. Isn't
1: that crazy? <laughs>
0: Uh, it's not. It's not intellectually on the same same level no. as this, of this of just like putting so many different layers and and ju- I mean that one scene is kind of the uh, the culmination of it, but it's all throughout the movie. I mean they there are constant advertisements for uh, it's a very Brave New World esque okay. uh, in and, and kind of the dystopia is uh, the idea in that novel is like it's a dystopia where everyone is sort of kept happy with very, uh, superficial, uh, you know, endorphin bursts from like super explicit, uh, brain virtual reality, like theaters yeah. and, and stuff like that. Um, and it's, I think it's playing off a lot of that of like, and they, I think they explicitly say it a few times in the movie of like, everyone is sort of kept, uh, mollified by, uh having these things that make them feel better in the short term but in the long term aren't really like fulfilling what they need as you know mm-hmm. humans who crave relationships and togetherness and like yeah it 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 weaves through so many different things and it's such a fine balance because it could very easily turn into like being distracting because it's trying to be overly yeah. sexual or it's it's trying to you know be erotic and kind of like i don't know the movie movies fall into that pitfall a lot yeah like or, yeah it could work. oh we need a scene mm. where
2: yeah. there's a naked lady and you're gonna like it where <laughs> it could wind uh, up being uh,
1: look, we didn't creepy. need the
2: michael bay edit okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> we, uh it could wind up being creepy creepy as opposed to no this is supposed it, it's kind of weird that this is happening unsettling. and that's the point yeah. like it's kind of unsettling that society got to this place and yeah. and the but and that, that they don't get into the need of sex as being something crass or like the release of it. It's like no, it's the it's the intimacy and the connectivity of it, yeah that people are missing out on and that Gosling is missing out on. Um, yeah, it's great. and then and that also gets to lead into McKinsey Davis planning a bug on him, so he and my boss mm-hmm. from a uh, succession can tell him to go kill Eric yeah. Deckard. It's great. <laughs> Um, real quick, if I remember correctly, I think most of the
1: ads that we see in the first Blade Runner, aren't they about getting off-world? I think so. Sounds like, right. go on a trip and explore yeah. the colonies or whatever. So I, I actually like that as a nice, like... It feels like a psychological evolution to trick people or, like, keep them... Like, basically just keep them in their lives. Where yeah. it's like, oh, you've got the originally it's like oh you've got the one thing that you can hope for you can strive for and it's very clear that most of the people on earth are not going to be able to get off world like that's just yeah Yeah. like that's a pipe dream um and i like that basically after whatever disaster happens where it's like i don't know if it's like an emp goes off or or what but basically they lose all of their technology they lose all of their data um in like shortly after the first film i believe um, and they kind of had to just start over. I like that it suddenly becomes a lot more like compact, and now it's like, oh, now we're just stuck within our lives, and then we have to focus on the technology that we have at hand, um, which is where joy comes in. um, I actually think that's yeah it feels like they hmm. thought about it,
2: <laughs> yeah, and again, it's something that you can connect to the real world without feeling like the movie's just trying to feed off the zeitgeist, yeah, that you can attach yeah. joy to like. Is that social media? Is that porn? Like, is that dating apps? Like, what what does that mean to you? In the way that we all is grapple. it podcasts? Is it podcast? <laughs> yep, that's what it is. Here come the sequels. <laughs> we can give do you, you think, what you want.
0: Do you think Jared Leto had a podcast? Yes. Well, has a podcast in the Blade Runner universe?
2: Oh, in the Blade Runner, probably. Yeah, is he like? Yeah, I'm here to talk to you about making arms for replica. His character's name is Wallace, right? Yes. It's called For Wallace it's, and a Roof. No, For Wallace it, and the call, Truth. It's called <laughs> it's called Meander with Neander,
1: a Wallace podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's about yeah. <laughs> Talks about
2: cereal a lot. Um
1: <laughs> and every time it starts it has that insufferable little tune that <laughs> that plays when he when uh, K turns
2: Joy on and off. Right, right. Um, the other uh, really big thing of isolation is uh, uh, the the chosen one character, the Doctor, played by Carla Yuri, who's great in this. I've, I'm not familiar with her otherwise, but she's the Doctor, the uh, uh, Deckard and Rachel's child, who's living in the uh, the dome because she's sick real bad, but she can like simulate all these different um, environments. Again, visual effects. I love when she's messing mm-hmm. with that with that grasshopper and she's making his eyes big and doing all kinds of stuff. I love it. She's building like a
1: birthday cake
2: and then she's got yeah. like kids
1: floating around it and it's, yeah, it's,
2: oh. it's great. Again, two scenes but she's so good in it. Like I really like that performance and like that that character who is having to again simulate even more of a life than Kay is. Um yeah. is it's just heartbreaking. And then the, that beautiful and, scene at the end with Harrison Ford. So good.
0: Well, And I was going to say, that's like exactly like what you're, it, it's a microcosm of what you were talking about, Alex, of like, she says, Hey, my parents, you know, got away to get us off world, but then I got sick and had to stay behind and I had to stay isolated. Like literally that's what happened to everyone. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. The people that went off world, they were left behind and they've, they're all in their bubbles. Like it, it is, it, there are so many layers to how every single person in the movie is just like, very sad
1: yeah <laughs> and well, i mean uh, the audience is even kept like that too because we don't go off world and i was i mm-hmm. i remember watching it for the first time and in the, in the third act they're like yeah we're taking deckard off world we're gonna interrogate him some more and i was like is that where we're going that doesn't feel right <laughs> and then we don't do that and it's like oh okay <clears throat> right you did that with purpose okay i get it
2: yeah
1: it's like they yeah. thought about it when they wrote the <laughs> script <laughs> <laughs> they didn't just go. Oh, I'm shooting some B-roll for Legend. Let's see what I can do to screw this <laughs> up.
2: That would have been weird in 2018 yeah. or whatever. But also like that they do. I think this movie does a really nice job of addressing and not addressing all the theories of Blade Runner of being like yeah. we're, we're, they never outright state that Deckard is or isn't a replicant, and that they've created this thing of like, hey, replicants can reproduce does that mean two replicants reproduced or a replicant and a human reproduced? Like yeah. either way, the point is that a, a, a replicant with a uterus can grow and uh, birth life. And so yeah. that doesn't require necessarily. And they could have gone into this whole thing where they're like, no Deckard, his parents were junk traders who dropped him on the thing or whatever. But I love it that they're just like, we're not really going to talk about it. Cause that's not the point. There's even a, a joke where uh he has a, a dog, which is a great dog. I like that dog a mm-hmm. lot. And Gosling said, Is it real? And Harrison Ford says, Why don't you ask him? I was like, Good. I like the way yep. we're addressing that. Because of yep. how overt the movie is about like Kay's a replicant, don't worry about it. Keep going.
1: What what's your name? Deckard. Deckard what? Deckard Tyrell. <laughs> 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 I don't
2: Deckard.
1: know why he named me after Tyrell. <laughs> Maybe Deckard it's because K. maybe it's because they realized this was the last film and they ran out of ideas. I
2: don't know. It would be funny if they did start narrating until Harrison Ford showed up. I don't know why he was in my hotel house. <laughs> one thing uh as a as an aside there, one thing that I really like is
0: that they use joy as a uh, way for ideas to bounce off of uh, K without having him have to say them, yeah. like she's kind of questioning him and saying like, "What do you think of this? Where where are we at here? Like, what what does this mean?" Uh, and he's sort of like in his stoic way pushing back, but like that's a I think that's a clever organic way of kind of getting around having to explain why this character is just staring uh, and sort of <laughs> sullen and uh, grim the entire movie. Um,
1: and also, well, also because she's always affirming, she always wants to kind of make sure that he's happy and comfortable. She's always pushing of like, no, you're the chosen one, even though the facts don't necessarily line up. Obviously there's a lot there for him to kind of consider, but, um, she, she is the one that is like, yeah, I told you you were special. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's neat. Um there are a bunch I did yeah, but... want um I did want to get into some of the the issues I have with with the movie and really this comes down to just like the I don't know if the the story with what happens with Deckard's daughter necessarily makes sense in terms of like does she actually have a disease is she is she actually like is your immune system compromised? Mm. Cause like, I I'm very confused as to why that child ends up with the position that she has working for Wallace. And then also they say that they're not supposed to give replicants actual memories. So why did
2: she give K that specific memory? Yeah, I don't know. Honestly. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you.
1: I mean, yeah. and I think just also the timing of like apparently they took her to this really janky orphanage that Kay goes and visits, and switched the records or made a duplicate, and there was like the the girl died and there was a boy instead, which is why he, in the the flashbacks you know we're we're led to believe that she is a younger Kay because she you know it's hard to tell um, if she's a boy or a girl in those scenes. Um, very dark. I don't know reasons. a lot of that. Yeah a lot of that I feel like is intentionally hazy of like, just don't, don't think about it. That's not, it's not that important.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Cause she, I mean, she tears up when she sees the memory that he's thinking of. Cause right. obviously she's like, Oh my gosh, this is my memory. Uh, she says, like I do like the just... look
1: on her face as, as he freaks out and he leaves. Cause she starts to have that look on her face of like, Oh, I think I've just ruined this guy's life. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, And so I don't know if the implication there is that like she did that on purpose uh, to try and, you know, I I guess she wouldn't really know enough to do that on purpose. So I don't know if the idea would be that someone at some point, was able to give Kay that memory so that this whole mystery would unravel? I'm not sure. It's a good question. It is a little convenient, too, of like, Kay ends up at Sappers and he has the body of Rachel buried
1: nearby. Yeah. Also, like, well, the fact that he just shows up at Deckard's daughter's in terms of like, I need to go see someone who makes memories sure. and he's, and she's the first person that he goes to. That's that's right. It. And I know it's supposed to be like, Oh, she's like the best one, which then raises my question again of like, how did she end up in that position? Maybe, maybe she planted it all from the beginning. Maybe. It all. Um, but yeah, I like how it doesn't full on address whether Deckard is a replicant or not, which yeah. makes all of the various cuts of blade runner canonical, mm-hmm. which exactly. is really cool. It's a choose your own adventure, but it's backwards. (laughs)
0: They even say, uh, you know, the older model model replicants had open ended lifespans. And it's like, is that talking about the replicants like Rachel, like Deckard? Like, Like could they have potentially been, yeah, replicants who didn't end up aging or or didn't end up dying, I should say, uh, in a shortened lifespan? Or is that like just applying to later models so that like the, the thing at the end of whatever the theatrical cut of like oh yeah she can live we don't know when she'll die it's fine (laughs) like maybe that's true too
1: yeah yeah doesn't doesn't wallace have a line when he's interrogating also where he's like did tyrell mean for you both to be there to meet was it chance or was it intentional um and he seems to be kind of interested in that and i'm like oh i didn't know I guess neander wallace is a huge uh, fan of the original blade runner he's he's he does, got he's got the special blu-ray box set just like i do
2: he does have the audio files and he keeps playing them. right i like, I like your owl <laughs> <laughs> so great yeah there are oh go ahead i'll go ahead mm? uh <laughs> no i thought you were gonna say something okay um i just there is a it's a huge cast and i just want to highlight a couple of the other actors before we move on uh my best friend lenny james from the walking dead is mm-hmm. in this as the guy running the orphanage I love him very much um, He's amazing on Walking Dead And uh, that's it Now um, But like <laughs> I mentioned Hiam Abbas uh, Who's great in the movie called The Visitor And uh, I, I Specifically uh, Wood Harris Avon Barksdale is in like a scene Of this movie Avon from The Wire, uh, David O'Shaughnessy, who we mm-hmm. always enjoy, gets to roll up as a guy named Coco, I think, which is amazing. Yeah, he always gets. I think his contract has like, I want kind of a weird death. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I would like. And uh, th- and he dies at the hands of an actor that I, I want to talk about called Sylvia Hooks, uh, who is a, an interesting actress to me. I I like her in this movie. She's on that Apple TV show, C. And her performance on that, it's a it's a big swing. She makes a lot of big swings on that show. And uh, that's all I really feel qualified to say about it. But in this she kind of does not as much. I feel like it's it's reined in a little more. But um yeah. she of course plays Love, the uh evil assassin replicant, um, who or I say evil, she's controlled by Jared Leto. Um, but she's I I, I liked her in this. Um and I always like seeing Dave Batista And I want to see more of him as a grizzled older guy with glasses that he slowly mm-hmm. puts on and takes off. I want to see more movies like that. He was really good yeah. in that scene.
1: I, I like how it's like, oh, we're going to make you guys wait a little bit before he, he does some cool action stuff. Yeah. If, the, yeah I will before. say this. <laughs> the action in this, brief as it is, is so visceral. Yeah, like just really the is. sound effects and just the shot of Dave Sapper... Banging case head against the oh, wall man. Just repeatedly And it cuts to the other side Sounds muted
2: And you just see the wall Just like slowly caving yep, yeah. in It's great Very effective Well, Villeneuve is He, he makes a His sci-fi movies are not Action-oriented yeah. And yet This and Dune both have really Well-cut action sequences Yeah um, I do think the final fight Between uh, Love and K Goes on a little long um, there's a maybe one too many stages to it. Um, but Or maybe I was just like, all right, we're, I know how close we are to the end. Let's go. Sure. Uh, but it still works. It's still beautiful to look at. Like.
1: Yeah, I think that what interested me about Love is that she could have been just the disposable hench person. Um, she could have just been, uh, I, I just follow Wallace no matter what. But oh, like I, I a, Like how a
2: Rutger Hauer clone.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I like how she's got this really interesting complex where like she has to please wallace and she has to be the best of the children so to speak and that's why she has such a problem with k of like okay he's getting to he's basically trying to tear down society with this mystery that he's uncovering and she's just got like all the spite against him um i don't know i really like how she's handled Mm -hmm. um i think she's a very fascinating character and they don't I don't know. They don't have to put all that much screen time on her to be really, really interesting,
2: right? Um, I was also always good to see Robin Wright. Um, yeah, like her a lot. I think her character's name was Joshi, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Commander Joshi. Is it Joshi or Joshi? Probably is Joshi. Makes a little more sense.
1: But I just or like, I just or like her. it'll be Joshi because sometimes names in this universe are fun.
2: <laughs> I'm Rick DeCard. <laughs> oh, 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 I am. Um, Rachel. <laughs> also, talking oh, yeah. of just nostalgia grabs, like, there's a lot of Elvis hologram in this, and it's great. Yeah. And the way the so, sound cuts in and out, oh man. Between this is, that and the, the Sinatra, the, yeah. just the little
1: mini hologram is that's, yeah. Oh. Uh.
0: This is something that uh, I realized as I was watching it that I did uh, kind of punt on my recommendation by recommending Fallout 4. Mm, uh, last week, okay. uh, and this is the movie that involves going to an irradiated Las Vegas uh, that is full of sort of uh, throwbacks to a simpler time that are still relics because culture has been stunted, uh, and so like this is what people still uh, you know kind of use for nostalgia. Uh, and I was like, well, that's uh, <laughs> that's Fallout, <laughs> so. Fair. Fair enough. There's even a dog. Fallout has lots of dogs. And robot (laughs) detectives. And grizzled old old guys who live alone. (laughs) A place with a bunch of
2: traps. (laughs) And feral ghouls.
0: Yeah, well.
2: Which I think is in that game. Yes. There it is. Deathclaw is another one. And bees? Ah, you know. They're usually bigger in Fallout. Because
0: you can't really, like shoot tiny bees in a video game
1: but you can try you can try and i did i'm pretty sure that's that's the plot of call of duty modern warfare 2 right it's the the bee (laughs) population is dying because everyone just keeps shooting them (laughs) and you are supposed to kill more you're supposed to kill them all yeah it had to come to this
2: yes yeah i um (laughs)
1: why am i not writing scripts for call of duty (laughs) campaigns
2: That scene made me unsettled when he just puts his hand near a bu- like near a, yeah. a, a an apiary, and a bunch of bees get on his hand. I was like, "Oh, oh, Ryan, <laughs> a braver man than I." Mm-hmm. Good stuff, though. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. How do we feel about? Basically, the movie hints at the end that because um, Rachel being able to give birth is that that truth is about to come out. Um, and society is going to learn that androids uh, do indeed dream of electric sheep. <laughs> they can procreate, um, or at least some of them can. That's also a question I have. Um, right. But they hint that there's going to be kind of an uprising and a revolution of sorts and replicants are basically going to take back their lives. Um, how do, do we feel like that's too big for this movie as just something to bring up? A little. I, that is... One part that was a bit jarring
0: and I i don't know if it, I mean, obviously the, the function of it is that they are aware of who the child actually is, uh, or at least they are aware that Kay is not the child because that's the revelation that he gets from interacting with that that group. After he's
1: had like his nose broken, his girlfriend's is, been destroyed, and yes, just once again. <laughs> By the way, you co- his face is just bruised and covered in bandages, and just yes. the way he sells, just like I am sad, boy. Now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I,
0: I kind of feel like it is a little out of place. I, I think that to me, because the movie is so about how downtrodden everyone is like it's hard to figure out where that would go like the movie doesn't really telegraph like what it thinks about this Uh, you know maybe it maybe the implication is that it it wouldn't work like i don't know it 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 ties in with what joshi uh says throughout the movie where she's like we got to kill that child got to get rid of it because if anyone finds out about it, it's going to start a war. Um, so that, I mean, on that point, like it is in the movie, at least throughout as kind of an idea, but I do think it's hard to understand what that would look like and like how how successful that would be and who would exactly be revolting against who because everything's kind of run against run by corporations. Um, so I do feel like it, it raises a ton of questions and it's like, no, 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 don't worry about that. (laughs) Let's, let's get back to it. Uh, that that is kind of how it feels um so i i would argue that i do think it is it, maybe that could have come from a character who isn't in the middle of this this larger scheme i mean i like the idea of having the two having multiple factions who like are want this child for different purposes um but i i don't know if that And specifically the way it's presented, if that totally works and is seamless with the rest of the movie.
2: Yeah, it it didn't occur to me, watching the movie didn't really occur to me to bother me or not, which I think is is a a good thing. Because, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it it could, in a worse movie, it would feel like the end of one of these, like, January, February release sci-fi movies, like Surrogates or something, where you're like, these are huge ideas and huge things are happening in this hour, 40 minute movie (laughs) that, like, you know, cost I don't know, $3 million to make. Like, it's it's a weird, it's a big thing. And so on ma- next week's episode, we'll be reviewing iRobot. Yeah. <laughs> but this is one of those things where I think because it's handled well, it doesn't feel too big. It probably is. But because the movie is so good at, like, drawing into what these characters are experiencing in their lives. Like, at the end of that movie, I'm thinking much more about Kay and Harrison Ford sure. and the Doctor. I'm not really thinking about the rest of it. Um, yeah, because that's so much. The movie has done such a good job of getting me to focus on them. Yeah,
1: I think my main question is: I, I get the importance of the realization that yes, replicants can breed, essentially, but none of none of the replicants currently alive, so to speak, can. To our knowledge, Rachel was an anomaly because Tyrell made her that way. Yeah. So, like Tyler, like what well, you I I feel like this this gets into kind of overthinking I mean, things, and like, does this mean like we're gonna storm Wallace's compound and steal Rachel's bones, and we're gonna figure out how to make new replicants that can procreate?
0: No, I I think that level is definitely more of the thematic and sort of motivation to fight against their kind of restraints of like. No, a replicant can do everything a human can. Yeah. Like, there, there is a point at which there is no difference.
1: Um, and I do like how the, uh, Mackenzie Davis does pull in the line more human than human. I like that. They yeah. they give her that, and it's like, oh, that's a callback that didn't annoy me. Thank you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, And so that's definitely, I think, what that's going for and why it's so important is more of the, the idea and the, the spark for, like, oh, if replicants realize that, like, there is really no reason to use them as a slave class like they are they think like humans they act like humans they can do human things like that i think makes enough sense to me it's, it's it really is more logistical and it is kind of like that's distracting to me sitting in the back of my mind as i'm watching the rest of the movie that is really focused on k and on right. deckard uh, and and that very personal intimate like connection that he is helping reforge. Uh, and then it's like, but what's going to happen with that? Like, is that going to totally blow all this up? Or is is Deckard and um, the, the memory girl, are they going to be uh, murdered in the upcoming config- conflagration between the Wallace corporation and these revolutionaries? Like, wh- wh- where is that going to go? What does that look like? Uh, that's kind of in the back of my mind because it, I feel like it takes a little bit of the wind out of the sails of like what does this reunion mean between them? And like, I am overthinking it because there's a lot thematically that is really rich happening there at the end with like Deckard reuniting and and all that, but it's still there. It's still kind of like, I don't think you can just put that scene in there and leave it and not, (laughs) not give me a little bit more to go off of.
1: I, I am imagining like the next movie being the Jurassic world dominion of this franchise where like, Basically we have the same status quo with Deckard and he's just hiding out somewhere, but he's got his daughter and she's just like it's the Maisie role where she's just like mm-hmm. complaining and she wants to escape. And then it's a kidnapping plot. And there are locusts. Blade and and then at the end
0: she releases a bunch of dinosaurs because they're just like her.
1: <laughs> And then there's and then there's a giant replicant. I'm talking like fifty feet high. <laughs> yeah. And and the director who I don't know if we want to just say it's Colin Trevorrow, but he <laughs> describes this giant 50-foot replicant as the Joker.
2: Yeah, it's, yeah. it's called Blade Runner Shadow Recruit, and we're all <laughs> so excited to see the Giganticant um, gigantic. show up. <laughs> <laughs> oof a <Oof-a-doofa. laughs>
1: Um, I do want to shout out the score real quick. It's oh, Hans yeah. Zimmer. Um, and you know Hans Zimmer always kind of turns in great work, um, and I really like how it's not just a complete carbon copy of the original Blade Runner. I like how it kind of takes its time with weaving in certain cues from it. Um, I like how it waits till the literally the end scene before it starts playing the music from Tears, and, you know Tears mm-hmm. and Rain. Um, and but like a lot of the the music is very atmospheric, like. Sometimes in scenes, I'm like, "Is that a sound effect in the world, or is that the score?" Right. I, yeah. I really like how that's done, and it just makes you feel. it the the purpose is to pull you into the world and almost make you feel like you're there,
2: um, I think the score enhances that experience. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I thought it was still Evangelist. Like that's how good the uh, yeah how good of a recreation it is without literally being like a copy or something.
1: Yeah.
0: I like the weird test they make K do to determine if he is yeah. still functioning the cells. way cells should function.
2: Interlinked, yes. Cells, <laughs> yeah. I never really understood it, but I liked it.
1: I think the idea is that they're they're saying like these really aggressive things toward him, and he's got to remember the word that he's got oh, okay, to yeah. he needs to repeat, and he has to do it within a certain time, so yeah, he can't like, like his pause too yeah. long. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's weird. It's it's quirky.
2: I like it. it is we keep we
1: we keep we keep up the quirk in Blade Runner.
2: <laughs> <laughs> one of the more precious elements of the story. Before mm-hmm. mm-hmm. well, David most, like... for David gets high five to death.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, cuz one one thing I'm thinking of is the total recall uh remake. Mm-hmm. Um that happens back in like 2012 or whatever. Um and that basically, you have like this really original, weird, crazy action Paul Verhoeven Arnold Schwarzenegger sci fi movie that's just wild and nuts. Mm-hmm. And then it just gets watered down into it's a generic, sleek mm-hmm. 2010s action movie. And Colin yeah. Farrell's fine, I guess. And it's just kind of boring. Um, like I feel, like I feel like a studio mindset would be make that movie, but it's Blade Runner, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I feel yeah. like if we, if we <clears throat> watch that movie and like oh so that's what Blade Runner 2049 could have been <laughs> yeah, even yeah. like the design of the world is trying to be Blade Runner and it's obviously not doing I mean it's fine for what yeah, it yeah. is but it's not it's not nearly the same
2: yeah but the, like the fact that they just let this be a weird long <laughs> like yeah. meditation movie I think is brilliant yeah
0: it expands a lot on the um, I think the world of Blade Runner, like, I'm thinking of the, the big sea walls mm-hmm. that it, it shows throughout, uh, and I think it specifically rec- references at some point that, like, sea levels rose, uh, presumably due to global warming, um, and then also there's giant trash ships yeah. <laughs> that just dump, like, tons and tons of trash at once uh, into this, this massive, like, junk uh, plane uh, it is fascinating. There, there's just a lot of really good stuff like that. That is like, yeah, this feels like the same world, but we're seeing more of it and it's 30 or 40 years advanced. Right. Um, it's kind of, you know, bigger and like, I mean all the, the giant statues in Las Vegas. That's really cool. Oh man. Gorgeous. Um, it, it is like, it's, it's interesting to see a movie that's like, okay, clearly this other movie that we are following up on was supposed to happen next year right uh and that doesn't make any sense or two years from now that doesn't make any sense but we're going to run that out and continue playing along that line as if that were the case like we're not actually thinking in 2049 this is what the world's going to look like but we're playing in that sandbox and and carrying on um so i think that it's really well thought out in how it approaches that that challenge definitely
1: We got anything else? I don't think so. All right, let's let's do the grades then. I am going to give it an A minus. I think it's got a couple of stumbling blocks when it hits that third act in the story department, but it's really really strong and much better than the original. Uh, I'm gonna keep saying it. Mm-hmm. It's much better than the original. A minus. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll, I want more, but uh, but wait, like another twenty years, and then give me another <laughs> one. Sure, give me give me Blade Runner twenty seventy nine. Let's do it. Blade
0: Runner twenty sixty nine.
1: There's my movie. Are the, they're <laughs> that working replicant. on like a
2: TV show or something? Right? Oh, I don't know. Probably. Yeah, I know the Dune. There's the it's gonna do that. The Benicio. Yeah, right. So. Anyway, I'm gonna go A. I'm not sure why it's not an A plus, but this leaves me room to give it an A plus later. It's fen- it's absolutely phenomenal though. Like it's mm-hmm. a terrific movie. People should see it.
0: I think I'm gonna go A minus as well. I'm tempted to go A but I, I, I do feel like I probably could rewatch this. I'd have to space it out a bit, yeah. but I, you know, I think over the next few years if I rewatch this a couple more times, then I might eventually be like, sure. oh man, this is just the best. Um yeah. but I right now I feel like there's still a few things that I think that the momentum is so strong in those first two acts. uh, And then the third act is kind of like, we're introducing some really big things. And then we're also just kind of landing uh, on what was already happening. And it, I don't know, it it doesn't totally connect for me in a way that's like, that was a super satisfying resolution. Yeah. Um, But it's good. We didn't mention the wooden horse at all. I don't know if we need to. Oh, yeah. That just occurred to me. And that is like the main motif
1: uh, or symbol in the movie. It's
2: a neat play on the origami (laughs) thing.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I really like how they play up the fact that it it came from a tree. Like Mackenzie Davis's character is like, I've never seen a tree before. Yeah. And that just kind of broke my heart a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then she she picks it up later and she's like, hmm, it's wood. It (laughs) came from a tree. All right.
2: Yeah. I had to give this movie somewhere in the A range because Mackenzie Davis is from Canada. So I had to be like A because <laughs> they say that. So's Ryan Gosling, I think. Anyway. I-
1: I was gonna say, do you really want to set that precedent? How many, how many movies would we have to go back and change to A's because we've got we've got Canadian actors in oh, them? Oh, good point. Yeah, Dark Fate's not an A. <laughs> all right, Br- <laughs> all right, Britain, Britain. All right, I'm gonna need to get your grades on the prequels because Hayden Christensen's Canadian. Oh, Let's is go. he? All right, <laughs> <laughs> Oofa snip.
2: Doofa. Hayden oh, Christensen. Boy. well, I'll do a I'll do a smoke bomb and <laughs> uh pit uh, uh Hollywood pitch. I'm gonna pitch a movie. No, um. I did, I did get an idea for a movie the other day, but it's not relevant, so I'll talk about another episode. All right. Is it Blade
1: um, Runner 2079? It Where, sure is, Alex. It, and in it's this just, one... It's just Harrison Ford, Like, but he's okay. a hologram now, yeah. and mm. he goes and fights a 50-foot replicant who is the Joker. <laughs>
2: yeah, and there's NFTs and the blockchain. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. all there. It's all there. No, uh, I... Uh, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to recommend the movie that I I – I was going to recommend one of my favorite movies, uh, and that is a movie called Lars and the Real Girl from 2007. Uh, And I'm recommending it because I haven't uh, yet, but it's one of my favorite movies, like I said, and it also uh, is my favorite Ryan Gosling performance. Um, I'm also going to go ahead and say it. It's one of my favorite performances by any actor in anything. Yeah, there it is, Gauntlet Throne. Um, if, If you don't know, it is a little indie movie directed by Craig Gillespie. Uh, who would go on to make *Itanya* and *Pam and Tommy*? Um, but this is a movie about a, a lonely guy, played by Ryan Gosling, who basically orders uh, a a sex doll, a real doll, who and but then forms this very uh, dependent and emotionally wholesome relationship with her, and uh, it's basically like his brother and his sister in law who he lives with, and all the people in this small town, I don't th- it, I think it's in Canada, but they don't say it. Um, all just go along with it and support him. I think it's in a lot of, I think it's a movie about the way the world ought to be, where there's this person who is different but totally harmless, and the people in his life go, you know what, we're going to keep an eye on him, but we're going to be okay. We're all going <laughs> to be nice to him and we're going to be there for him and help him work through this thing. Um, the cast is tremendous. Again, I, I really can't say enough about Gosling's performance. It is a, it is a performance that could be so bad, and it could be so mm. gimmicky, but everything that could just be a tick, he makes it seem very, very real and honest. Like it just, I every time I watch it, I'm like, that's that's acting. I think it's beautiful. Uh, but you've also got Emily Mortimer and Paul Schneider, uh, Patricia Clarkson, Karen Robinson from Schitt's Creek. If anybody uh, likes uh, that character, she's she's in this briefly. Um, uh, Kelly Garner and maybe some other folks. Um, But it's a very, very lovely, quiet movie. And it makes me, like, full heavy sob at the end, but not in a sad way, in a very moved way. Uh, I just can't recommend it enough. I think it's a beautiful picture. um, And it's called Lars and the Real Girl, available somewhere. It's why I will always like Ryan Gosling (laughs) as an actor until he does something bad, in which case I'll rescind that. But until that day, I love Ryan Gosling.
1: Uh, we're gonna go to the midnight premiere of Barbie, right? Uh, yeah. I'm very
2: excited for that movie. I, I was gonna say that it's, <laughs> I I I don't know why I framed that as a joke. <laughs> I think I think Shuchi Gautwa from Sex Education is in that. I might be wrong. Hmm. Anyway, I'm very excited for it.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, I've just been watching Succession, so I'll probably make that my recommendation again. Um. I think I mentioned this before we started recording. I'm not sure how well it works as a bingeable show. Um, Just because I'm like midway through season three and it does feel a bit samey. It does feel like we're cycling through just like the company's getting ruined. Everyone hates each other. The children are backstabbing the father and yada, yada, yada. And the relationships are changing and alliances are forming and alliances are crumbling. It feels like it's a constant chess game, but it's like all the pieces are just moving back and forth between the same spots. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know if I'm just like something happened or or what, but I, I feel like it probably watches better overall week to week. But it's still really good, and the acting's amazing, like across the board, everyone's excellent. So sure. yeah, you've 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 heard about it, you know it, you love it. Succession, rich people suck. <laughs> <laughs> bada bing bada boom uh i (laughs) that is also uh, part of my review
0: (laughs) (laughs) i uh did finish rings of power for one that is uh something that i i don't know that it's a show i i can very much see there were a lot of mixed opinions on it that i think were coming from a very a, a bad faith kind of approach uh initially like people just refuse to accept or kind of like try to open their brains to this interpretation of middle earth. Um, and of, of the story that it's trying to tell. Uh, but I think on the whole, I, I did end up really liking it and I kind of feel like it's in a better, I I am more excited about where that show is going and what, as someone who is, who knows the source material for that show and for house of the dragon, I'm more excited for where Rings of Power is going and, like, what it's building towards because it's definitely doing a lot where it's playing with, like, what's, you know, strictly in the Silmarillion, the book Tolkien wrote. is kind of, like, the big history and also the appendices of Lord of the Rings. Um, it's definitely not all, like, one-to-one with what's in there, but it's, to me, it's a very faithful, like, thematic interpretation of what's going on there and is, it, it's taking the chance to paint a lot of interesting ideas and characters and things that wouldn't have been in the histories but could have been happening behind the scenes. Um, so I think that's really cool and I think it's done a lot of neat things so far and I'm kind of excited to see where it's going. Whereas I kind of feel like House of the Dragon. I'm worried that it is very obsessed with making you aware that it's the successor to Game of Thrones. Uh, I... I feel like it's this it's way too early for me to say this, but I could see a world in which some of the things they do in this first season are a, a harbinger of some of the things they did in um The Hobbit and Unexpected Journey. <laughs> like I ironically, same same franchises there. Uh I kind of feel like there's some some cracks there that worry me about like what their long-term plan is and Also, I just feel like the characters uh, are more likable, and like I think the House of the Dragon, the way it's approached it, has led to some characters that are hard to root for (laughs) because they're all kind of awful. Uh, And I, I suspect that might only continue because of what's in the history that George R. Martin wrote for these characters. And I don't know that there's been enough to kind of like expand on them and make them more nuanced and interesting. And I could see that show just becoming a real drag at some point. <laughs> and maybe it won't. Maybe. It, I mean, I know everyone, I think, genuinely has has uh, accepted and loved it. And maybe it'll just continue to be very great, obviously. I think the production value is probably a little bit better than, Lord, than uh, Rings of Power. But I like Rings of Power a lot. Uh, however, my recommendation this week uh, is something totally different. It is. I should actually pull up the exact title. It is a video by uh, a, a video I would I would call a documentary uh, for reasons that will be seen if you watch it by the uh, YouTuber slash documentarian Defunctland. Uh, it is called Disney Channel's Theme: A History Mystery. Uh, it is an hour and a half. It is the the, the premise is literally um, I I'm, I'm not even going to be able to think of the theme right now, uh, but the um, the blurbs that they would show on Disney Channel were uh the Disney Channel celebrities like uh Hillary Duff and everyone would would do the like Disney or the Mickey Mouse ears with the wand, yeah, and then it would be like ba, 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 dum, or whatever it is. Um, it is an exploration of the fact that that is not has never been credited to anyone, no one's ever really tried to figure out who came up with it, and so uh the defunct land is an incredible youtube channel i'm pretty sure i've recommended stuff from them before uh they started off with very silly he would just make these kind of like not even silly i mean they were well researched but like very fun lighthearted, uh like 20 minute videos about like here's a theme park ride that went defunct um and now (laughs) he just does these like massive awesome videos uh that are like these huge investigations of things um long story short this video like for a good chunk of it, it's kind of like, this is fun. This is weird and neat. And you get a lot of, if you are familiar with, you know, 2000's Disney Channel, uh, you get a lot of nostalgia bursts for uh, for that time uh, and for for television. Uh, uh, I know myself and a lot of people watch this as, as kids. Uh, and you're like, oh my gosh, they got that commercial. I remember that commercial. And like, he's he's got a ton of footage and stuff like that. Um, and by the end of it, I was literally tearing up. Uh, and that is all I will say about that because I don't really want to get any further into it or like give away kind of where it heads um but it's it, it's a really incredible piece of like investigation and uh <clears throat> the when you figure out kind of what the ultimate purpose of of doing of releasing something like this was like it, it yeah it's uh very very good I would ask everyone to go watch it and increase its views on YouTube because it's fantastic. Yeah, that's And it's free. It's on YouTube. <laughs> was it, was it
1: Bob right there. Iger? Was Bob Iker the one that that created? It was it not first Bob place? Iger or Michael Eister. Topical. Was it was it Bob <laughs> pick and that's why he's gone now?
2: <laughs> it was Willem no. Defoe. That would be fun.
1: It's a it's a cutthroat world we live in. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of succession, we, we we did have a group chat um uh, with the the Bob Iger news when that broke, and I did go. Succession feels way too real now. Like I can't, I can't handle this. <laughs> I thought you were about to say we did have a group chat with Bob Iger, uh, which is true. <laughs> yeah, we know. I mean, Bob we Iger, did. He I doesn't mean, really
0: post in our chat, but he is there. No, he played and I mean, Battlefield. We congratulate with
1: him for all his continued success. Yeah, at Battlefield when you play with him. Look, if Bob Iger was in charge of Disney when Love and Thunder came out, you you better believe I would have given that that like a, a solid oh, like man. C+. Plus.
2: He just all he, he just keeps sending me civ5 requests and I'm like, "Bob, <laughs> this is like the pieces of flair on Facebook. I just it was cute, but I don't have the energy anymore, bud." Fun stuff. So, uh next week's episode is a secret not for any major reason just we don't want we want you guys to look forward to it and uh it's a
1: secret to us we're moving into
2: <laughs> we're moving into the holidays <laughs> we we got some plans and we got some open spaces uh much like mm-hmm. the chess game that is uh life when you think about it <laughs> the chess game that is chess that is chess uh,
0: if you want to uh be up to date when we announce our new chess podcast. And solve um, that
2: mystery, gumshoes. <laughs> uh
0: you can find us online at here the sequels.blogspot.com or on Twitter at htt sequels. You can email us at comes the sequels at gmail.com. We are on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on all this stuff. <clears throat> Give us a like and subscribe and five stars. I don't apparently that stuff helps. Uh yeah. I know nothing. Um, we've been doing this podcast for for several several years to be charitable, uh, and are just kind of like, hey, I don't know, we like to put stuff out there and hang out and talk about movies for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but we want more of an I want again, I request uh memes for me to describe on this podcast. You may go and revisit some of our previous episodes to identify uh cases where I've done that and see you know the skill that I've been working to hone uh, in describing those memes. I would love to do more of that. Uh, I have decided the the crop from Joseph that I was working off of. I think I've I've exhausted what I would like to exhaust from it. So I would like a a fresh uh, submission of memes for me to describe in a segment that would normally go here uh
2: i've been tyler (laughs) if you go to the spotify page for our podcast and hit click more like this there will be nothing because no podcast is like ours (laughs) we are the original and the only and the explicit meaning singular (laughs) not crass um unless you listen to the beginning of last week's episode where i was honest i love you i've been britain
1: uh I'm being told by our lawyers in the background that that I need to state, we don't lie. (laughs) (laughs) What you're going to say, our
2: lawyers, that we can't tell them we love them. (laughs)
1: Like I said, my lawyers are saying, we can't lie. (laughs) I've been Alex, and you're having a good night.